Welcome to the Classical American Education Podcast with the Copelands. Welcome to the Classical American Education Podcast with the Copelands. I'm Missy. And I'm Jonathan. In our first episode, we will provide you with an introduction to the type of content that you can expect to find on this podcast. In the last several years, the attention of America has focused upon the toxic mix of ideologies that are poisoning the minds of the next generation in our public school system. It is time for educators to begin to join their voices to the ever-growing number of conservative commentators who are exposing the socialistic plans to destroy America. Today, I ask you to allow me a few minutes to establish the following. First, an overview of what a classical education means. Second, an explanation of how the classical American education is different than simply a classical education. And third, a brief overview of why this topic is vital not only for parents, but for any American concerned about the future of our nation to understand. When most people hear classical education, they immediately think of students studying Greek philosophy, and that is a decent place to begin the discussion. If a person you hire to repair your plumbing can have an educated conversation about the musings of Aristotle, then you are experiencing what our founders would have expected, an educated citizenry who would be able to handle the dual role of making a living while also contributing to a just society. Unfortunately, most of us are all too familiar with the fact that most American schools are focused more upon job training and social engineering than allowing each individual student to reach their greatest potential in all areas. That is because our schools have strayed far away from the traditional Bible-based approach to learning and instead have adopted the progressive model that prefers to indoctrinate students with what to think instead of helping them discover how to think. It begins as early as the elementary grades and then escalates as students grow older. A classical education has its core focus on developing students for life, not the future job market. One common definition is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on truth, goodness, and beauty. Students who receive a classical education are exposed to a robust study of the liberal arts and sciences with an equal focus upon civic responsibility. Instead of subjects being presented in isolation and a rather haphazard way, There's a proven system that's designed to maximize each stage of brain development to help students reach their full God-given potential. There are many ways people explain the process, and some people use the same words to refer to different ideas. Here is one way to explain the structure from an academic standpoint. The first four years can be referred to as the grammar stage. Likely you've heard grammar school before. Not four years of studying nouns and adverbs, but rather the grammar stage is a season of intense focus upon the facts that will serve as building blocks for future study. At this age, a child's mind is like a sponge, ready to absorb information. They often find memorization fun, so they are best served with a constant exposure to facts. 
not long periods of time focused upon self-expression or self-discovery. Consider how different this approach is when compared to a modern-day elementary school that insists upon presenting small children with ideas they have no way of fully understanding, including inappropriate exposure to sexuality that destroys innocence and would have been the cause for arrest in colonial America. In the middle school years, it's the logic stage. Around the fifth year of school, most students begin to develop a very deep need to understand more than simply being given facts. They form the ability to handle abstract thought and want to know the answer to the question why. It is during this phase of education that students are prepared to explore concepts such as cause and effect, and they begin to see how different fields of study fit together. They begin to learn how to express their ideas in writing with a focus upon clarity, something far too many students that graduate high school don't understand today. The next time you get frustrated with a teenager who can't count change at the drive-thru, imagine asking them to write a paragraph, and then consider who is really to blame for their lack of knowledge. The high school years can be considered the rhetoric stage. It is during this final stage of a classical education that students learn how to combine the facts they learned in stage one with the rules of logic perfected in stage two to develop effective arguments in both the written and spoken format. Students receiving a classical education are typically able to carry on adult conversations better than many adults because they not only have a vast array of factual information to reference, but they have learned how to construct an argument and they've had practice presenting them verbally and using the written word. They are allowed at this stage to begin to specialize in their personal fields of interest, something possible when they have not been sitting in a classroom being taught the same subject year after year without really learning it. That is drastically different than what happens in most schools today. And it is also different than the education received by students in America during the founding era. Take what I've just explained about a classical education and let's transform it into a classical American education. What is the one element that separates those two? The Word of God. You may not have found in the classrooms of the 18th century America discussions about the trivium and quadrivium, two terms often cited by those promoting the classical education format, but you would have certainly observed high expectations, moral instruction, and a clear focus upon the teaching of the Bible. The Bible was more than a source for moral instruction because every subject that was taught had the Bible clearly in view. Noah Webster referred to the Bible as, quote, America's basic textbook in all fields. Founding Father Benjamin Rush explained that even if a student grows up to become an atheist, when they are exposed to the truths of the Word of God at a young age, they act in a much more civilized and moral manner when an adult. The Bible itself explains that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it also tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. All one has to do to prove how true those statements are is examine the rapid decline in SAT scores in America as soon as prayer and Bible reading were removed from the curriculum by a series of Supreme Court decisions. It is vital for parents and every other American concerned about our future as a nation to become involved in the struggle for educational freedom. 
Make the decision to homeschool your children today. Support politicians who are in favor of school choice. And subscribe to this podcast where we will be giving you up-to-date information and practical steps that you can take to help America return to the classical American education model. Well, that was some great information. And before we continue, if the information Jonathan has shared so far has inspired you, we want to ask for you to give us a five-star review after you finish listening today. You can also reach out to us by email at classicalamericaned at org. That's classicalamericaned at POWG. Jonathan, if you'll expound just for a moment on the biblical foundation of America that led to the foundation of the American educational philosophy. Um, First, why don't you tell us why the pilgrims came to the New World in 1620? I think that would be a good place to start. There's a common misconception that the pilgrims left England and came to America to escape religious persecution. While a portion of that statement is true, they actually left England and went to Holland to escape persecution. Once there, they enjoyed complete religious freedom as Holland had no law that would restrict them from practicing their faith according to their own interpretation of the Bible. The problem they encountered centered upon the godless nature of the Dutch society. While the adults were by and large not affected, the parents became concerned when their children were being heavily influenced by the lack of faith prevalent in the people of that nation. The reason they ventured to America was not to escape religious persecution because they already enjoyed that in Holland. The reason they came to what was commonly called the New World is because they desired more than the freedom to practice their religion. They saw an opportunity to build a new nation based upon the biblical principles they cherished. Yes, that reminds me of Psalm 33:12. It says, "Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance." Our founding documents referenced our rights come from God, and the government's role is to protect our God-given rights. That the Declaration of Independence states our life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So as you mentioned, the current public educational philosophy is not in harmony with the Bible or our foundational philosophy that led to the greatest nation on earth. Individual liberty, personal responsibility, and sacrifice seem like a thing of the past. And we believe one way to return America to its original intent is to return to a classical American education that can play a role in preparing America to fulfill her future God-given destiny. There is more than one way to return to a classical American education in 2023. So do you mind reminding us of a couple of ways that we can do so? To parents, I would say that the first step is to seriously consider the option of homeschooling. It is not as difficult as you may think, and it is a great time to join the tremendous number of people in America who are electing to follow the biblical mandate to train up their children in the way they should go instead of allowing the government to handle that responsibility. Secondly, I would encourage pastors to take an active role in supporting and encouraging the families that decide to homeschool and their congregation. Finally, pray for the school choice movement and become an advocate in your state. Currently, there are many states considering legislation to allow parents the ability to take their tax dollars with them when homeschooling their children. 
And as of this recording, at least one state is actively pursuing a path that would stop taking money from the federal government, a tremendous step towards educational freedom and local control. So we've laid a basic foundation today. We've mentioned a couple of options that will help us return to a classical American educational philosophy. So what can our listeners look forward to in our next episode? In episode two, we will identify the four waves of revolutionary activism which have caused America to stray far away from its biblical roots. And we will invest some time analyzing the first wave by taking a look at how the theory of evolution radically altered the educational system in America. That sounds like it's going to be a great episode. Yes, I encourage everyone to stay tuned. In the meantime, you can also reach out to us by email at classicalamericaned at org. Until next time. Stay positive, hopeful, and diligent in our efforts to train up the current and next generation of Americans in the way they should go. God bless you as you serve him in Jesus' name.